Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, a central theme in this entire book. That's going to be what drives our sermon this morning. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's begin right there in verse 6. Notice what Paul writes. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you would help me preach. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you would help your people to receive. God, speak to our hearts this morning that we might be more like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The book of Colossians is a warning. The book of Colossians is a warning and an encouragement. When you read it, you find out it's a warning against false teaching and false principles and false gospels. It's a warning. The book of Colossians is also an encouragement. An encouragement to take up the mantle of discipleship, to, to trust the grace of God, and to live your life for the glory of the Lord Jesus. And I really, I can't think of a better passage to read and preach and think and dwell on as we get ready to walk into 2022. We need strength. We need hope. We need the grace of God found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need to get this right. To be solid, to be confident, to, to brace ourselves for the year we are walking into. To, to be able to get up in the morning and not have dread in your heart and soul. To be able to get up in the morning with a confident joy that you are walking into God's plan for your life. To, to trust God's goodness, to have a a resolution in your heart to grasp with both hands the gospel and grow as a Christian. I really only have one goal today. <clears throat> I just want to convince you. I want to convince you of two things. I want to convince you to try. And I want to convince you to trust. I want to convince you to try. Just try to live your life for the glory of God, and I want to convince you to trust God's good plan for your life. And if you will try and trust by God's good grace, regardless of what you walk into this year, you will grow as a believer. Now, today I just want to talk about discipleship and you growing we created a little booklet, got great pastors that are very smart. We'll put it together, a little booklet and a plan forward for your life by way of growing spiritually. I hope every person in here will pick it up on the way out, out there on the tables in the lobby and put it in your Bible and think about it. Look at it and ask God to help you grow in grace. 
find a way to, to strengthen our faith and stiffen our resolve so that no matter what comes down the pike at us, we'll be able to stand there with joy in our hearts as believers in Jesus so that we can look at the year ahead. Now, if we're going to do that, we've got to get a couple of things right. Part of my job as a pastor is not only to, to comfort and to lead and to preach, but part of what i got to do is to make sure we protect. I want to make sure that we are not deceived. I don't want you to be deceived by lies. I don't want you to be devoured by wolves. You and I, to do that, we've got to reject this sort of casual Christianity that shows up in churches that really is only any good when there's a crisis. I want us this year to embrace what does it mean to actually be a disciple, to have a life that is saturated by the good grace and the glory of God. And I think this passage helps us get there. Look, I want to get on the other side of this year Look back and be able to say, there, God carried, God carried us through it. As his son or daughter, if you're in Christ, a daughter or a son of God, that he's going to carry you through. I want you to be able to say with other believers that when Christ, look, when Christ is my all, all will be well. You ought to mutter that to yourself. You ought to write that down somewhere and think about it. When Christ is my all, all will be well. For that to be true, we need to get two things right. Right here in the passage, let's get these things right. Here's the first one. Number one, you'll find it in verse 6. We need to get conversion right. We need to get it right, what we mean Asking Jesus into our lives. When I went from not being a Christian to being a Christian, we need to get this right. I chose these two verses because they summarize, really, the entire book of Colossians. And if we're going to look at it, we need, to go, we need to go deep in our understanding of what it means to actually be a Christian. What do you mean when you say, I'm a Christian? What do you mean when... When you say, I got saved, or I asked Jesus into my life, or I prayed to receive Christ, what did you get when you believed the gospel? Paul tells us right there in verse 6. Do you see what he says? He grounds us. Look at him. Verse 6, Paul writes, Therefore, look what he says, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord. What did you get? So often when we talk about what we got when we got saved, we talk about the benefits, which is understandable. I'm very thankful for the benefits. Most of the New Testament is describing in detail what are the great benefits of actually being a Christian. But if you're not careful, you, you end up with this sort of a respectable prosperity gospel where you are looking and thinking and putting your focus on the benefits of being a Christian. And they're great benefits. It's a wonderful thing to be forgiven. Restoration is a great thing. Condemnation lifted, past gone. Finding purpose, having a new start, having your dignity restored, courage for the day, 
part of being a part of a family of God. Those are wonderful benefits to be sure. I mean, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful I'm not going to hell. So thankful that when I die, I'm going to heaven because I put my faith in Jesus. But really, I'm going to heaven because of the grace of God that saved me in Jesus. And what I want to do is, I, I want to not put our attention on the one that is receiving the gift, you and I. What did I do? I want to make sure we are looking at the gift giver and really, what is the gift? And in verse 6, Paul says, just as, here's the gift, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. We need to get that right. Just as you received Christ. Christ, he is the great prophet of the church. Christ, he is the revealer of God's will and how God saves his people. Christ, he is the answer to the Old Testament prophecies and types and metaphors. Christ, he is God of very God. You received Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, Paul outlines it for us, and this is what he says. Christ, Christ is the mystery. Christ is the mystery hidden for ages and generations and now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known the great, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ, the hope of glory. When you receive Christ, you receive the hope of glory. Christ, who is the prophet, that is one office, or one fold of that office. Christ, not only that, you've received Jesus. You see it in verse 6? You received Christ Jesus. Christ the prophet, Jesus the priest. Jesus is the man. This is part of our doctrine. This is what we believe. Jesus, a real man who, a real man who felt, who hurt, who prayed, who cried, walked and hungered, got cold. Jesus, a real man who was tempted in our place and yet without sin. It's important we see Jesus, a real man who kept every one of God's laws, who fulfilled every one of God's prophecies. And then Jesus as a man, because it had to be a man, a man committed the first sin. We inherited our sinful nature from a man and a woman. And for us, men and women, to be saved, it must be a man. And this man takes on your sin and all of the shame, all of the condemnation with it. And he does that so that God could be just. See, justice is sin is punished. God could be just and also be the justifier. Jesus goes to the cross as a man to appease the wrath of God that was directed toward men. Jesus there takes the consequences we deserve, and here's what happens at the cross. When you believe, he turns and gives us the righteousness that he earned as a man. The righteousness that Jesus gives us is righteousness that a man earned. See, at conversion, we need to get it right. At conversion, he takes our sin and puts on us 
his righteousness. He dies this hideous, horrible death on the cross that we deserve. The old preacher said, and he laid a corpse dead, a dead man. And God, as a sign of acceptance and victory and change, God raised Jesus from the dead as a man. And Jesus walked post-resurrection on the earth as a man. And then Jesus, our great high priest, Jesus ascended, went up into heaven as a man. You know, I hate to hear people say uh, when they're talking about praying that they are praying to the man upstairs. I hate that idiom. I think it's short-sighted, but you know what? Truthfully, if you think about it, it's actually doctrinally correct. Because Jesus, our high priest, is at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, interceding for us even now. He's doing that as a man in unbroken fellowship with God. And he's doing that with us. When you receive, when you become a Christian, you receive Christ's prophet, Jesus, priest, Receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, prophet, priest, king. When you say Jesus is the Lord, you are saying Jesus is your king. Here is our Savior who demands full control, who calls for full surrender and all submission to Jesus, the king. He calls for us to live our lives according to his will. Here, here is, here is the giving over. Here is the letting go. Here is the trusting that Jesus is the passion of your life. Here's the day-to-day -day bending of the knee to King Jesus. Here's the sworn allegiance to your sovereign Jesus. Here is Jesus as Lord. Jerry Bridges, uh, Jerry Bridges is a great writer. We've used lots of his stuff uh, here at the church, we continue to do that. And Jerry Bridges says that there is no neutral ground in your Christianity. There's nothing in your life that's taken off the table that the king doesn't want. There's no part of your life that is to not be surrendered to Christ at conversion. Christ, Jesus the Lord. What do I'm I mean, every thought, every word, every deed, every dollar, every shopping spree, every click on Amazon. I just figured out how to do that, by the way. There's an app on your phone, you can touch it and it takes you to all the stuff. You, and just when, when you get there, you're done shopping, yes, slide and you got it. Everything. Every Starbucks drink. Every video game, every song, every text, every joke, every social media post. You see, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. What happens when he gets saved? When you get saved, you didn't just sign up for a free ticket to heaven so you didn't burn in hell. You didn't get just a free ticket to heaven. You got a life-saving transfusion. 
Let's me and you, let's do it this year. Let, let's deepen and let, let's, let's stretch and grow in our understanding of conversion. I want you to have received Christ Jesus the Lord. We need to get conversion right. But you know what else we need to get right? That's the first point. Um, that what goes with that is the second point at the end of verse 6 and on into verse 7. It's, it's just like the first point, just a little different. Let's expand it. We need to get conversion right. Number two, we need to get Christianity right. The, the first point has to do with the one-time change, conversion. You went from darkness to light. You went from being a sinner to a saint. Something happened. We need to get that conversion right. But we also need to get what does it actually mean to live as a Christian? You see it there in verse 6, at the end of verse 6, going into verse 7, Paul writes there in verse 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, now the imperative, this next little phrase is a command, walk in Him. Live your life in such a way that there is proof that you actually are a Christian. To walk in Him, that is to live your life for the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Look, this is what we're going to be doing for the next 363 days we've got left. I mean, you're going to be, you're going to be walking in something. As a Christian, why wouldn't you walk? The command is walk in Him. So you say, okay, I want to do that. Uh, how? What does it look like? You might be asking, okay, what does it actually look like to walk in him? Well, Paul doesn't leave us wondering. He gives us, he just stacks them up after saying that in verse 6, in verse 7, he just lists four metaphors. Paul gives us four metaphors that help us think through what does it look like to walk in him. Verse 7 explains the end of verse 6. The first metaphor is an agricultural metaphor. You'll notice what he says there in verse 7, to be rooted. Rooted like a tree. That is a verb. That verb is in the perfect tense. That means, I know you don't want a, a grammar lesson, but that means a one-time event that happened in the past that has ongoing effects. Rooted. It means that you have been dropped into it. The idea is of a tree that is planted in soil and has a taproot, and that taproot starts going down deep to get the nutrients. We were in Mississippi over uh, Christmas, and there, you, you can, there's a whole lot of land. I'm sure they do it here in North Carolina as well, but when, when people are logging, sometimes you have a big track of land, and plant a bunch of pines there. Those pines grow for 20 years. They come in and clear cut it out and take that wood for pulp wood or for lumber. And once they clear-cut a piece of land, it looks like a bomb has dropped on that piece of land. So they go and will replant in pines, and it's an amazing thing to watch. And you watch those guys planting those trees. They have them in these little shafts, and they walk by and slam the trees into the dirt and their roots. Paul says, something happened when you became a Christian. You were rooted. One-time event. Pressed down into Christ down into the nutrients. Look, I want your life to be so planted in Jesus 
that you're down into the nutrients of who Christ is. You're firmly fixed. Isn't that what the psalmist said? Remember Psalm 1? <clears throat> there in Psalm 1, when David talks about a righteous man, Psalm 1, verse 3, David says that this righteous man, he, he's like a tree that's been planted by streams of water. And it yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither. And all that he does, he prospers no matter if there's famine in the land, if there's a drought in the land, that tree is right there by the river. And it's getting all that it needs regardless of what's happening around it, even if it's a terrible season. Isn't that what Jesus said? John 15, when he said that I am the vine and you are the branches, anyone remains in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. Rooted. Is Christ the source of your joy? Are you rooted? Is he the source of your hope, the source of your life? Christianity, look, we need to get it right. We are rooted in him. That's an agricultural metaphor. Paul gives us then an architectural metaphor. Goes to agriculture, then he says, okay, maybe you didn't get that. Let me give you another one. Look there in verse 7, here's what he says. Rooted and built up in him. Being, your Bible might say, being built up in him. It, a good way to translate it, being built up because it is a present tense verb. That's something that is happening right now. And it also, notice it doesn't say you building yourself, but you are actually being act upon, acted upon. You are being built up in him, built up. Brick by brick, piece by piece, day by day, the castle starts to rise. I mean, this is where discipleship comes into play. We're not looking for something I mean, quit looking for the big thing that God's going to send to happen in your life to change you. Once we're converted, what we're doing is being rooted and built up brick by... This is discipleship. This is you looking at the Bible, breathing it in, and breathing out prayer. This is you understanding that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, and there God is going to build your life brick by brick. It's what happens when we come together and worship it's what goes on in your community groups. It's what happens when you get into a discipleship group, when you start taking Bible reading serious and spending time in prayer, maybe even writing those prayers out. Hey, look, pick up that devotional for the love of God that goes with our reading plan by D.A. Carson. You're going to learn so much theology this year if you'll use that devotional. Reading and fellowshipping with believers and then having your life on mission for the gospel. Each one of those events, each one of those pieces is a vital brick in your life that God is using to build you up this year. I want to be built up, don't you? I want to be built up day by day, brick by brick, as God uses the events, good and bad, big and small, and all of these things to build us. God is doing it, and he's doing it, I mean, the text says he's doing it to us, Every one of us here, I mean, I don't know much about architecture. I don't know much about building. Every one of us here is a renovation project. Every, every one of us. You are a renovation project. 
Now, I did work construction a little bit when I was in college during summertime. When I say I worked construction, when I would show up at the construction site, they would tell me, you clean up all the trash out around the construction. I wasn't, I, I'd never had a hammer in my hand unless I was tearing stuff out of a renovation project. That was all I was good for, tearing out. When, anytime you're going to renovate something, you got to tear out all the old junk before you start building on the inside. Some, some of you, that's what God is doing this year, a renovation project being built up. Agriculture, that is rooted. Architecture, that is being built up. There's another uh, there's another metaphor here. It is an accounting metaphor. It's the word established. Do you see it in verse 7? Root up, rooted, built up in him, and established, and there's some qualifiers, established in the faith just as you were taught. So, so being established, it's an accounting term. It's when an accountant comes in, looks at your records, and confirms that they are actually accurate, that you had done the math correctly, and it is right. And Paul is saying you've got to be that one time rooted, being built up, and we need to make sure that there is some truth in here, that you are established in the faith, genuine biblical doctrinal Christianity, just as you were taught. It is important. We are a people of the book. It is important that we are learning from the book. And if you, if you neglect if you neglect the Bible this year, you will not grow. If you neglect the Bible this year, like some of you did last year, you're not going to grow as a Christian. You won't grow in your understanding of God and how he works and how he loves you and how he hates sin. And we need a biblical theology. We need God-centered apologetics. We need Christ-centered prayer. We need sacrificial mission. Paul says, you're going to get rooted. That's a one-time event. Your nutrients come from Christ. We need to be built, God building brick by brick. And it's like, if you don't get that, well, let me give you another. I want you established and confirmed in, in truth, in the faith, just like you were taught. And after taking all of these metaphors, an agricultural metaphor, an architectural metaphor, an accounting metaphor, he comes and ends this little statement with an aquatic metaphor. You see it there at the very end of verse 7? We are to be abounding in thanksgiving. The idea is a river in its banks during flood season bursting out of its banks having actually more than is necessary. Thanksgiving. Yesterday afternoon I was writing this, you know, I handwrite all my sermons, writing out the manuscript, get done with it, supper time, and uh, go to wash my hands, eat supper about 6.30 on a Sunday evening, and the water pump is out in my backyard. No water which is a tragic thing for a preacher on a Saturday night. So I call Ron King, and he comes to, you know, fool with it and get it going again like he always does. He gets it, and, and I, as I was sitting there, I had just finished this statement. I am supposed to be abounding in thanksgiving. I did not feel thankful. But, but look what the text says. It doesn't say 
have an attitude of gratitude. Quit saying that. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. We, if, if I felt gratitude, I wouldn't have to have somebody tell me you need an attitude of gratitude. Truth of the matter is, it's easy to be thankful when things are great. Paul has just spoken to a church that would be under persecution, trying to figure out what they believe, and he's telling them you ought to be overflowing with thanksgiving. This is not you should feel thankful. This is you are to actually be thankful. Give. This is you giving thanks. This is you giving thanks when you don't feel like giving thanks. This is our, our staff here at Hickory Grove. We woke up this morning. COVID's going crazy. Rain's falling and electricity is out at Mallard Creek. It's a great way to start a year as a church. And still being able to have reason to give thanks. This is not you learning to feel thankful. This is you in the midst of, of things that are terrible and hurtful and depressing and giving thanks to God. This is you looking around. This is what happens when you grow as a Christian. You look around and you feel terrible and yet give thanks. Isn't that what, isn't that what Habakkuk prayed? Remember that great verse? Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18 and 19. Habakkuk said, Though the fig tree doesn't blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock is cut off from the fold. There's no herd in the stalls yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, he is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me to tread on high places. 2022, when Christ is your all, all will be well. I want you to get conversion. We got to get that right. Get it right. You have received Christ, prophet, Jesus, priest. The Lord King. You have received Christ Jesus the Lord. I want you, for some of you this year, maybe this is the time you start doing it. I want you to get Christianity right. The command is walk, live your life in Him. That means rooted in Christ, you being built up brick by brick, established in truth, and live in your life abounding and thanksgiving. I want this year to be the year you walk with the Lord Jesus. One of you join me as we close together in a word of prayer with the heads bowed this morning. Let's go to the Lord just for a moment. I'd like to ask you very quickly, do you have that right? 
We baptized a man at the 8 o'clock service, Alan Wolf, an adult man, late in his life, realized that although he was baptized as a 15-year-old, he was not a Christian. He repented of his sins, put his faith in Jesus, got conversion right. Have you received Christ Jesus as Lord? You have that right? How about your own Christianity? You call yourself a Christian. Do you have that right? Are you walking in him? Are you rooted? Are you making the effort to to take advantage of the great resources God has given you to be built up in him, to be established in the faith, just as you were taught to, to live your life with thanksgiving? Today as we close, we'll do so with a worship song, but it's a great time for you if you'd like to come and pray, ask God to help you, maybe repent of a sin, maybe you want to talk to a pastor. We start, we start this year with Christ as our, as our all, knowing that all will be well. Father, thank you for your word that is good, for your spirit that moves. Thank you for the chance to worship today. Lord, I want to pray for the people you've given me pastor. God, I pray that you give them hearts for Christ, that you make it so they flourish in the Lord Jesus, that they would love you above all things, that you would find us faithful as a church. And so, Lord, bless your people and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please, as we sing together?